We're momming today with Madeline Brame, the chair of the Victims' Rights Reform Council. Uh, Madeline's story you might have read about. Uh, it's been in the papers. It's been on the news. It's a tragic, horrific story that no parent should ever have to deal with. Uh, we just had an election here in New York where you mm-hmm. live, where I work, mm-hmm. and our governor, Kathy Hochul, uh, was reelected. Mm-hmm. Her opponent, Republican Lee Zeldin, was defeated, but he came pretty close for mm-hmm. Blue New York. Mm-hmm. And he ran on this message of crime is such a problem. We need to do something about it. And that starts with firing our district attorney, Alvin Bragg. You are a proponent of, I believe you're a Democrat, or were. I was a Democrat, but yes. <laughs> your story was so tragic and, tragic and so eye-opening that you said, hey, we, we need fresh blood to come in and fix it. So thank you for joining me. Please tell us the story of your son, Hassan Correa, yes. 35, and stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. Um, my son, Sergeant Hassan Correa, was a, um Afghanistan war retired veteran. Um, he served valiantly. He was a hero. He uh, returned or received and returned enemy fire on the Taliban. He was a hero. He protected Americans. He was a father, you know, a husband, a son. This was a good, clean-cut, decent young man. Um, He was murdered in Harlem in 2018, stabbed to death by uh, four people he did not know, nor had he done any harm. Um, Hassan's father was also attacked and stabbed 12 times when he tried to come to Hassan's aid as he was being butchered. He was stabbed nine times. Butchered. 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 Yes. Um, Four to six inch deep. Why? Stab wounds. Um, a fight bro- broke out earlier in the evening between a completely unrelated person, and this person went back and got these people for revenge. And uh, they came knocking on the door, and, you know, my son and his father were in the apartment. You know, um, the fight happened. It was over, you know. Um, they had nothing to do with the fight? No, nothing. They didn't even know my son or his father, period. Right. They they knew the gentleman who got into the altercation earlier in the evening with my son and his father. And uh, these people came to the door and knocked, not once but twice. And they came back with several people. So um, argument happened on the sidewalk. Son's father went out to resolve it because... Uh, Father's girlfriend lives there, and he didn't want any problems, so he said, let's go down and talk to these people, right? So um, one thing led to another. Some blows were thrown, okay, and uh, four people with a knife ended up jumping my son and um, kicking, punching, stomping, and stabbed him nine times in the liver, in the lungs, and in the heart, four to six inch deep stab wounds. So this was a huge butcher knife that this person was walking around with. Um, Two brothers, a sister, and their friend. The brothers, career criminals, in trouble since they're 13 years old. You know, violent recidivists. And uh, the sister um, held Hassan from behind. He tried to run two times. She held him so her brothers could stab him. him. And And they thought this was okay. Yes. Yes, actually, they, they justified it. They justified it. 
They justified and tried to say, tried to make it seem like Hassan was the aggressor, all right, and that Hassan um, was like this, you know, um, crazy person or whatever. I don't know what they were trying to do, all right, but there's a video, all right, so thank God for the video, you know. Um, so the courtroom absolutely saw the video. Absolutely. And what happened? Um, <clears throat> we went over this video a, a hundred times, you know, um, blow by blow. But Mary Saunders was actually... Um, Who's that? Uh, Mary Saunders is a sister, okay? Who held your son? Who held my son from behind. So he could be stopped to death. Yes. Um, Alvin Bragg actually the dismissed... Yes, the district Yes, the Manhattan District Attorney actually dismissed the murder charges and the gang assault charges against Mary and um, charged her with assault with a shoe and uh, sentenced her to one year time served. So Mary is currently... Walking the the streets of Harlem, home with her family. You know, um, Travis Stewart also had the the gang of soul. He's the friend of the family. He had his uh, murder charges dismissed as well from Alvin Bragg, and he was sentenced to seven years because uh, of his prior felony convictions. The two brothers, James and Christopher Saunders. James is the actual stabber. Been in trouble since he's 13 years old. Christopher was out on parole, all right, for um, attempted murder on a police officer at the time. Just got finished doing 10 years, all right. So he'd only been home for maybe two years before he um, attacked and participated in the murder of my son and also the gang assault and attempted murder on my son's father. So, um, where are they now? The Saunders uh, brothers, the, the brothers, uh, James, they're both in Rikers. Okay. All right. James, um, avoided trial. He pled guilty to murder and gang assault. So he's scheduled for sentencing in Manhattan criminal court, um, on November 16th. Now the judge promised him 20 to life for his guilty plea. Christopher, we just wrapped up trial last week. Okay. Um, he was found guilty of two counts of first degree gang assault, right? No murder charges, all right? Um, and he will be sentenced on December 1st. From what I understand, they, they're going to, you know, the judge is going to give him 20 to life as well. So we, we have four people that combined, they received 48 years, and Sergeant Hassan is dead for eternity. So you take a life, you do life, you know, um, not just, I'm not just the only one that feels that way. There are so many other mothers who are, their, their child has been killed. Okay. That we have to deal with a criminal justice system and we have to deal with these weak DAs and these laws that, um, are currently in place. And we're drugged through the horror of the court system treated like we are nothing and no one, all right, that we are just don't even, the victims don't matter. The victims do not matter. Even though we have a dead body, you know, um, the most important person in that courtroom is that person who did it, okay, the killer. We don't exist. We are, what did they, what did they call them? Uh, fictitious characters. How did we get here? Um, we got here through... Number one, our community, the black and brown community, okay? The thinking, the attitude, the behavior, right? That doesn't seem to ever change. Doesn't seem to ever change. Can I step in here? Sure. Mm-hmm. You're a black woman. Yes. You raised a, fa- a, a son yes. who served our country, got married, and had three children. Yes. Two, three children. Yes, three. Three children. Mm-hmm. You did the right thing. Yes. Does that make you even more mad? Yes. 
Absolutely. Now, I, I just want to reiterate and clear up something, okay? I didn't raise Hassan by myself, okay? Hassan's grandparents helped raise him. Hassan's father helped raise him. You know, that's why um, I have five children. That's why all of my children are very well-rounded because it takes a village, all right? It takes a family, all right? And when we start dismantling the nuclear family in the black and brown community, this is where, you know, these children end up falling through the cracks. Now, we have these policies in place, all right? Bail reform, raise the age, um, elder parole, all this other kind of stuff. What concerns me most is the raise, raise the age policy because these children— To do time. Raise the age to do time. Yes. These children start committing crimes at 12, 13, 14 years old, and you're giving them a slap on the wrist, all right? They're racking up all these charges. You're not giving them any consequences, not holding them responsible for their behavior. We're creating a whole new generation generation of career criminals and a whole new generation of mass incarceration. Is the mentality behind that, let's help these communities where maybe their families can't help, let's not ruin their lives Mm -hmm. by giving them a record. But in the end, you're just not teaching them the right thing. (laughs) Is that where it comes from? I, I, I mean, it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction. We're Couldn't ruining them lives. We're, we're, we're ruining their lives by, you know, giving them a record. But they're constantly getting arrested with guns and robberies and rapes. And all that stuff is adding up. Madeline, hold that thought. We're going to have more momming today right after this. We're back on We're Momming Today with the chairwoman of the Victims' Rights Reform Council, Madeline Brame. Do we have numbers on how many... Young people who got a slap on the wrist came out okay and have reformed their lives? As far as I know, all right, from 2019, since they put these, you know, uh, policies in place, I have yet to see any measurable outcomes of effectiveness from any of it, all right? We hear about the damage that it's causing and the denial from the other side, saying that we are hyperventilating and that it's not as bad, all right? But we're not seeing any positive outcomes of effectiveness. Taxpayers are putting millions of dollars into these anti-gun and anti-violence nonprofit organizations, okay? Millions of dollars where the, the, this restorative justice stuff and, and these uh, credible messengers and, and violence interrupters are supposed to take the place of our police, all right? And we still have not seen one thing that they have done to make it better or to fix it or to, to divert, all right? If there is anything, where is it? We would like to see it. Taxpayers want to know where our tax dollars are being spent, all right? Stop throwing away our money, all right? Put those debt money into initiatives that's going to actually help our community instead of hurt our community. Have you had a conversation in person with the DA? Um, he won't take my calls. You know, um, I have had conversations with the ADA, the ones who are handling the case, all right? And um, I'm not their most favorite person because I'm very vocal, all right? And I'm going to stand up for my son no matter what, no matter what nobody says, you know? So um, I've called them out by name and, you know, especially once they dismiss those murder charges against Mary and Travis, you know, I... Have you spoken to Mary and Travis's family? 
No, actually, they are currently stalking me on social media and harassing me. For? For speaking out. You're saying that your son got everything that he deserved and, you know. But there's no uh, proof your son did anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And what does that even mean, got what you deserve? Does anybody deserve to have their life taken? Because that's the mentality in the hood. That's the mentality. And that needs to change. Yes, absolutely. That's why I said from the beginning, when we first started this conversation, the attitude, the thinking, the behavior, you know, what's going on? What would you say if, if you, you can say that, but if an outsider said that, that outsider would be judged and criticized for making that statement. You don't think I'm judged and criticized? Well, you're a strong woman. Yeah. I'm called everything but a child of God for saying what I'm saying. You know, you're because, speaking the truth. Yeah, because that's the last thing that people want to hear is the truth. All right. Because that requires that, number one, we take responsibility. Number two, we hold ourselves accountable. Number three, that means that we have to look at ourselves. All right. And that's the last thing that people, it's the hardest thing to do. You're in the position where you, um, your activism is rooted in pain and a loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, it seem it seems to me that you really want to affect change. Absolutely. And you're you know it's been a few years. Not that that makes it any better, mm-hmm. but you're looking at this from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make sure what happened to your son doesn't happen to more people, mm-hmm. where do you start? What's the first thing that you can do? That society can do? That um, lawmakers can do? Mm-hmm. What's the first thing? Well, I don't want to you know like micromanage the uh, situation, but things that are realistic that can happen like today, Kathy Hochul can take all of those policies, all those horrible, disastrous policies and put them through a shredder, shred them. Okay. Start over from scratch, have sit victims down at the table. Okay. Sit mothers down at the table. All right. Sit real community leaders down at the table and come up with some real solutions on what we can do, all right, to change the whole trajectory of what we see happening and put in place policies that, number one, keep the safety of the public first, number two, victims and their family, number three, then the well-being of the offender, right? Governor Pataki, when he was in office, Rudy Giuliani, that was at the end of the crack era or during the crack era, okay? They have policies in place where they did real policing, okay, real policing. And people with drug and alcohol problems were mandated through the court as alternatives to incarceration to long-term inpatient drug and alcohol treatment program. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands of lives were saved through that. I'm one, okay? So, yes, and I reveal that today to you. I am one. All right. And and I went to a place called Samaritan Village up in Ellenville, New York. The best thing that could have ever happened to me. Instead of these open air, you know, uh, giving out free syringes and crack pipes and letting people get high outside. You're doing nothing but aiding and prolonging their suffering. All right. If you really care about people. Madeline, when you talk to addicts, I was just in San Francisco on a uh-huh. fentanyl story. I was in the Tenderloin District. Uh-huh. Not one of them will say, we want to do this. Of course. We want to get clean. Yes. But there's 80 drug dealers yep. on two blocks. That's right. 
and there are no repercussions. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole concept of, well, it's your own body. You can do what you want. Here's a free needle. Here's a free room. What's the incentive to get clean? None. None. There's no incentive. None. You know? Uh, Drug and alcohol addiction is a disease, all right, that can be treated just like diabetes, all right? First thing is abstinence. Abstain from the use of all substances, right? Remove the person from the environment. Right, so where somewhere that where they can go and get clean, fresh air. All right, good food, good sleep, and information. It's not guaranteed that the person won't relapse somewhere down the line, but at least they have a strong foundation. Yeah. Okay. Right now, we're watching people slowly die, and we are aiding them in dying right before yeah. our eyes, and taxpayers are, are paying, paying for, for it. it. All right. So when we didn't elect Lee Zeldin, all right. This past, you know, the other day, we made a huge mistake, all right? We are going to see four years of a further downward spiral because Kathy Hochul can care less. To go back to your, uh-huh. how, long did, how long were you using? How long did it oh, take you to goodness. get cleaned? Do your children know about this? Yes, they do. They do know about it. I didn't do it around them, all right, but they do know my story. I, I, I'm very honest with my children, all right. Um, um, life, you know, it's been up and down, sporadic, you know, over the years, all right, but I use for about 30 years. I'm 60 years old now, so I use for about 30 years, all right. I've been clean for about 15 years, all right. Um, it started with smoking marijuana, this is why legalizing this marijuana is the worst thing that you can absolutely do for children because it's a gateway. Nothing changed about it. Nothing changed about it. In right? fact, it's stronger now. Exactly. Filled with all kinds of different things. Then I have another son, who Ravon, who died two years ago from an accidental overdose, cocaine laced with fentanyl. All right. So th- th- this is a compounded issue for me. I'm like, that's why when I speak, I speak with passion, number one, because I know what I'm talking about. Number two, I have the experience, and I lost two children. Not lost, all right? Hassan was murdered, all right? And Rayvon was also murdered. By fentanyl. By fentanyl. Who puts fentanyl in cocaine? Bad people. Yes. Yes. So, you you know, uh, this is real. It's a real-life thing, no matter... Um, how much people trying to say that we're hyperventilating and that um, it's only our perception and, you know, it's not as bad and all the other the nonsense. I'm here to tell you today it is for real, for real. All right. I live in the communities where this is happening every single day. You cannot walk out your door without seeing it. It's there. And it doesn't look like it's changing. In it's fact, not it going to like change. It's getting worse. It's not going to change. So we wrap this up. Okay. How are Hassan's three children and his wife doing? Uh, the, the kids are thriving. Jason, he's the oldest. Jason's 13 now. He was um, nine when his father was killed. So he has the longest memory of his father, and he had a hard time for the first couple of years. He was very angry. His mom put him in karate to channel that anger. Now he's getting ready to be a black belt. He's excelling in school. You know, then we have Jordan, who is our talented, brilliant one, all right, history and science. You know, he's just just smart. Then we have Jaylani, who was Hassan's princess, his only girl, 
and she was only two when her father died. So she she doesn't, she, remember, she doesn't him. remember him. No, she doesn't remember him. But they talk to her and show her pictures and, and all that. But kid, the kids are thriving. You know, um, Christy, my daughter-in-law, she um, is amazing. Her and her mom. All right. Um, they, they live in another state. All right. And they um, have sacrificed their whole entire life for these three children to make sure that whatever happened to their father, they feel it. Don't cry. They, they, <laughs> they feel it the least out of everyone, you know, and I try to do the best I can to bring awareness and fight like Hassan fought to his death. I will fight to mine to make sure that justice is done for him and for these grandchildren and for all the other mothers and all the other children across New York City. I can't speak for no other state. I know about New York City, and that's it. What can we do? We voted. Yes, you voted. Um, what can you do? Continue to provide a platform. Continue to uh, support Victims' Rights Reform Council, you know, and the listeners can also go to our website at www.victimsrightsreformcouncil.org, hit the donate button, all right, so we can continue our work. We can go to Albany. We can hire lobbyists, all right, to get some policies passed because right now victims don't have any rights in New York State. Madeline Brame, thank you. You're welcome. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.